Welcome back. I'm George Abernathy, the proud president of Freight Waves, and we're having a really exciting virtual supply chain summit. And I think this next 20, 25 minutes is, is going to be something that you're, you're going to want to pay a lot of attention to. I'm thrilled to be able to talk today to Peter Bolstorff. Peter's the executive vice president at the Association for Supply Chain Management. You're going to hear me and maybe Peter say ASCM, and so you're going to know what that means. Peter is, is going to be willing to do one of those things that if you've been able to watch a number of the things that I get to do and we get to do together while we're um, having these kind of virtual summits, is I'll ask folks to look in their crystal ball. And that's a, that's a little dicey, you know? If this time last year we were asking people to look into their crystal ball, not very many of them were going to be particularly accurate with the white swan, black swan event that you know, happened to us in, in 2020. So I appreciate, Peter, you, uh, you doing this. Thanks very much for, for, for being with us today. Happy to, George. Really looking forward to the discussion. So let's, let's, uh, you know, let's, ground, let, let's ground everybody in a little bit of you know, Peter's background and also tell, tell everybody just a little bit about the Association for Supply Chain Management. Sure. The Association for Supply Chain Management is the largest professional association in supply chain worldwide. And so we've got about 45,000 individual members and uh, over 300 corporate members, many of which are yeah, here in a global you know, 2,000. Um, so we have a, a very large global footprint. Our, our key focus is around uh, education, talent development, uh, transformation type activities. So again, we're a nonprofit. Um, and uh, one of the exciting things that I'm going to share with you is one of our one of our standing committees, the Research, Innovation, and Strategy Committee, does an annual uh, top ten trends, and so that's going to be a lot of the conversation we're going to talk about today. So um, I just want to do a shout out to all of our volunteers worldwide and a happy holidays. So. Uh, appreciate that. That uh, the uh, the trends that we're going to talk about, I think, are fascinating. So. Let's actually start with, with one of those and talk about resiliency and sure. risk prevention. And, and I want to frame this in what you and I were talking about a little bit, a little bit prior. Be, you know, what we've certainly seen in, in, in COVID and, and what's happened in this white swan, black swan event it was extraordinary. But I, I think it may drive you as crazy as it drives me when I hear the population throwing supply chain out there sort of willy-nilly and not really understanding in any way, shape, or form just how significant the, the supply chains are, how complex they are, and those kind of things. So talk a little bit about resiliency and how, those, how the supply chains have to be able to be resilient in order to support all of the, all the things that are, are needed, to be, needed to be supported. Well, let me, let me first kind of ground us all in kind of what is a supply chain, you know, just really quickly. So if you think about how we define supply chain, um, it, it's uh, plan, source, make, deliver, return from supplier, supplier to customer's customer. And in COVID land, think about the customer is, is the population, right? So you can think about the population by zip code if you like. And so, um, so when we think about resiliency in supply chain, it's really resiliency both within each supplier, supplier, the supplier, the you know the, the, your organization, the customer, and customer. So it's resilience not just within each uh, stakeholder, but it's across the stakeholder, and that's where we're finding you know a lot of fumbles here, you know, as it relates to COVID testing and those supplies and you know the the overall vaccine you know end-to-end so, you know, -end supply chain, you know from 
from the, the ultimate uh, patient to where they get vaccinated to how do I get it to that vaccination point to uh, how do I get, how do the vaccine manufacturers get it into that? And then again, if you go one back, all of the things that go into the vaccine, including things like syringes and PPE and all those kinds of things. So it is complicated, uh, but there is an art and a science to it that, that again, if you just pay attention to, uh, you know, things go better than not. And do you think it, it, as that resiliency plays itself out, and let's let's talk a little bit about the vaccine as, as, as timely sure. as this is, do you expect to see geographic differences as to where there is supply available? And of course, this is getting past first responders and the like. And like you say, it's it's more than just the vial, there's many other elements. Do you, do you expect to see some, I guess, inconsistencies might be the right way to describe it? So let me, let me kind of uh, characterize that, and I'm gonna characterize two different ends of the spectrum. So when we looked at resilience through our, our risk committee, um, we looked at what we call leaders, and then we looked at what we call laggards, right? And so when we think about leaders, what we know about them through our research was um, as it related to COVID-19, uh, they had invested in digital supply chain, you know, probably 24 months ago, right? So they, they had started this whole journey around this digital transformation, and they actually sensed changes in demand patterns last November, about a year ago, um, versus people who were on the laggard side didn't really, you know, wake up and smell the pandemic until February, March. Um, Resilient supply chains also were able to balance their demand and supply better. And so when you looked at in our research, they had higher average factory utilization from November to March of last year than did, than did laggards because they were able to understand the impact of the demand shock and the supply shock. Um, they were also able to minimize service and cost impacts to their customers and other shareholders. Um, not that everybody didn't suffer a little bit, but they actually did a little bit better. And then the last thing we really observed about our leaders were they're really starting to shift and focus on the circular business model. So how do I mitigate waste? How do I get to a net, net zero? And so when you think about an individual stakeholder being resilient, um, sometimes they can only go as fast as the, the worst person in the chain. And so this idea around the end-to-end -end supply chain and COVID vaccines, it's not, it's not just... Uh, you know, pushing the leaders to be leaders. It's how do I, how do I get the laggards to pick up the, the slack? That's really interesting. So um, another of your trends, you know, touches upon so many of us, and I can right. certainly speak to the amount of recyclable cardboard that sits at my house to demonstrate <laughs> the e-commerce boom now and all of the things that are delivered. But you know, that definitely, you know, this boom has elevated my expectations, the expectations uh, that, you know, that, that the, uh, about flexible shipping and fulfillment options. Right. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you that answer, but I'm going to give you an interesting one that's a little bit uh, sideways to that one. So, so one of the things that we saw early on, <clears throat> supply chain has always been consumer driven. And we've always been, we found that in our friends, is, is everybody's trying to engineer their supply chains to make us as consumers happier. So as we got into the COVID you know, situation and we started to see these demand supply shocks, you know, we run out of things like toilet paper. You know, we had really driven a lot of 
of uh, a variety at the packaged level at, on the shelf. And so, um, and so when we had nothing on the shelf, our expectations as consumer kind of pivoted a little bit. So we're saying, gosh, I don't need it, you know, in this kind of a package. I just wish it were there. And so a lot of companies took the opportunity to kind of right-size their product portfolios so that they could improve the, the, the utilization of their plants, you know, and eventually then the demand supply caught back up. But if you were to look at today, we as consumers are happier with a four-day delivery versus the two days that we had, and we're happier with only two choices as opposed to 20 choices, simply because it's available. And I think I just wanted to lay that on there that I think the consumers have learned that I have a, as big a hand in this supply chain, being the customer's customer, you know, as the manufacturers do in the middle. And I think um, the more we can educate consumers on how to be a, a good supply chain stakeholder, I think the, the better the better we all are, right? Don't buy 10 times as much toilet paper when you don't need it. <laughs> right? so. Well, you know, that, that really, I think, speaks, you know, goes sort of to the, to, the, to the next trend around as you define supply and demand. And, you know, don't be an over-demander, you know, as you're, as you're describing. But, um, you know, that, that supply and demand really has played into, and if you, you look at the, the, you know, the digitization of the supply chain and your description of using the digital supply chain proactively, that data and the interconnections, it really is part of why FreightWaves has grown so significantly in that data business, and, and we've seen that, and that's something that you're seeing as a trend that is, is, is really catching on. We launched, we launched probably a year ago with Beloit, we launched uh, what we call our digital capabilities model. Now remember, we're a, we're a nonprofit association, so one of our jobs is to kind of help standardize language and standardize things, and so synchronized planning, connecting with your customers, digital product development, intelligence supply, smart ops, dynamic fulfillment, all of those things are what we would describe as, as uh, I'll call it digital capabilities. The one that we see people double downing on right now is synchronized planning. And so when you think about synchronized planning, how do you dynamically match supply and demand using AI, using machine learning, you know, using advanced analytics, you know, which is one of our trends that, that we've put forth. And I think, as I said before, companies who are in the leader category um, did that 18 to 24 months ago, right? So they, they thought big, they acted small, and they've been able to scale those improvements, and they're just now doubling down on those. It's interesting in the lagger group, we see that one kind of separated. Those folks that still are clueless, you know, and they're going to have to worry about survival. And then there's folks that are saying, you know what? I really need to think about supply chain as a strategic, uh, you know, investment, you know, and how do I play catch up? How do I leapfrog, um, you know, and, and, uh, and how do I invest, you know, in my digital technology platform wisely? Because doing it. nothing is the highest risk right now. I was just, just it's exactly where I was going to go. So, so let's right. talk about the, um, the, the, the leaders and the laggards in the, yeah. the trend around the, you know, supply chain career path and how folks, how people, how companies should be you know, looking at, um, you know, getting into and how do they interact with, we've got a, we've got an active um, um, interaction. We've got resources that are dedicated to 
um, having and, and executing our strategy around the, the education, around the academia, and, and looking at the supply chain career path. Des describe how that is, you know, how the leaders have been doing that, and you yeah. know, are the laggards starting to catch up? So all leaders are thinking about talent development and workforce development and supply chain as it relates to performance-driven activity. You know, so everybody has some kind of a continuous improvement portfolio where they're trying to make this better or that better. And so leaders are really connecting that development um, to actual programs and projects. And so when we think about supply chain talent development, we kind of break it into three buckets. Leaders, right, so that's experiential learning on how do I transform my supply chain. There are professionals, you know, so I work in plan or I work in source or I work in make or deliver or return. What are those uh, particular skills and competencies? And then we have what I would call the workforce at large. So you've got those new workers that are coming in. Perhaps you've got workers that are now being outplaced. Um, and you've got this basic understanding of, you know, even if I'm not a professional, I'm adjacent and I'm an actor in the supply chain. Um, how do I understand, you know, at a, at a basic level that whole thing? So we see in this pandemic, especially with a lot of the industry challenges, a lot more workforce development investments, you know, in hourly and, you know, I'll call it semi-professional if you want to call it that, um, skills. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So let's, let's go to, um, I, what really struck me around this next trend and, you know, 3d printing to the rescue <laughs> early on in the pandemic, you, you really saw that as potentially a panacea that we'll be fine. There's 3d printing. And, and certain areas and elements were very well served. And, and, and you guys are seeing that, that 3D printing has that, you know, really found a niche. Maybe, maybe something got pulled forward and there's, a, there's a, a part of this that has been accelerated. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, great. So let me introduce kind of the concept that we did this year for the first time. We did what we call rising and falling. Because again, if you were to look at the top 10 trends year to year to year, they're all gonna be plus or minus the same. So we really wanted to understand in the current confines, and again, the pandemic, right? What were, those, uh, what were those things where companies were moving away from investment and what were those investments that they were moving to? And so uh, again, advanced analytics, um, so, the, so the biggest, the number one, I'll, I'll call it shift two, was to digital supply chain, right? So again, as I just described, the second one was supply chain risk and resilience, which we talked about. The third one was this idea around talent, which we just described. And then we had advanced analytics and automation. 3D printing and some of those IoT investments that are still in the top 10, um, people are moved, they shifted away from. Meaning they said, okay, I got, I've only got so many resources, I really have to double down on a few things. And so we found that uh, the internet of things, 3D, and then sustainability, corporate responsibility. While it was, uh, while it was um, uh, important, still, still in the top ten, um, you know, people were focusing on, on, I'll call it those top four. Uh, Got it. In the pandemic. Got it. So, so um, it, you know, one of the the, the trends, and uh, you know, I'm. I think one of the things I really like about trends is that um, though there, as you described, there's commonalities. I love the fact that you guys are seeing what's, what's going up and what's falling. 
Um, this conversation wouldn't exist if we didn't talk about cybersecurity. Um, that you know that that that's a bell that has to be rung. And, and when you talk about you know the, the the massive amounts of data that are moving right now and all the organizations, and I think you know it's interesting you talk about AI or machine learning and. You know, is there some, um, you know, some lethargy that, that some people are bringing to that because it's, it, they've heard so much about it, but cybersecurity has to be at the top of the list on, from a supply chain or, you know, that could all be blown up without, you know, that kind of protections and, and that kind of risk mitigation, right? It was number five on our top 10. So cybersecurity was on there and, and again, our thinking there is, as we've done our research, and again, kind of, and a, kind of our approach is, we've got a 13-member committee. Um, you know, they engage, you know, over 100 research resources. We identify these 130 subtrends. We consolidate them, we rank them, and then we come up with that top 10. So, I think cybersecurity is moving from, you know, that top one or two position into something that I just have to do. It's kind of like quality. If I don't have it. I'm putting my whole entire uh, company at risk. And when you put risk and resilience into that one and cybersecurity becomes a subset of that one, it gets a little blurry sometimes. Um, but I know as part of the, the conversation with the, with the committee, cybersecurity is fast moving into something that you just have to have. It's like uh, you have to have um, you know, a finance you know, backbone. You have to have a cybersecurity platform. Right. So um, as, uh, as you're talking to somebody who's lived a million places uh, east of the Rockies, uh, you know, cities, rural, urban, suburban, I think the changing demo and the changing demographics are a fabulous topic. When the committee looked at the changing demographics and talked about it as a trend, were they, were they you know, squarely in the middle of everything that's going on you know, within the, the pandemic and the flight to you know suburbia and all of the all of the the things that we tend to think about the rising cost of housing in in the suburbs and all that, but the the changes to the supply chain are well, you've got extraordinary. Age, you got you got population demographics. You have an aging supply chain. You've got different generations buying different things. Throw in there the last mile challenges, especially as people are now moving into the cities and you've got congestion and all of those kind of things. You've got a lot of innovations on where I can buy things in the omni-channel. I mean, it's just one of those things where you've got a number of things just collapsing. Um, and then you've got what I would call the, the, the whole digital you know, self, uh, you know, drones, self, you know, automated driving vehicles, trucks, and those kinds of things. Um, um, then you've got what I call the real innovation is, is having people on bikes with, you know, little, little cases in the back of their on the back of the bike actually delivering, right? You know, in, in really congested places. So I think innovation is gonna continue to happen there. And, and a lot of it's technology driven, but it, a lot of it is also geographic and space consuming as well, as you just described. Exactly. So um, it, let me ask you as we sort of um, um, think about bringing the curtain down, yeah. Let's let's do put let's do put on you know put on put on the uh, our, our, our glasses and look into that crystal ball. Um, as you think about what the committee will see a year from now, 
what do you, and again, this, you know, if, if, if there's another black swan, white swan type uh, circumstance in 2021 like we had in 2020, um, all bets will be off. But if we get back to some sense of normality in, in 2021, where do you think, what do you think will be trending next year maybe moving up, maybe moving down. I love the, the way that you describe cybersecurity is, so, you know, it's, it's part of the cost of doing business now. You know, you have to do so. You have to, you have to check that box. What do you think may move into the, you know, checking the box or become part of what you have to do around supply chain in 2021 or, or 2022? So I think, again, I, and I, I have, uh, I've had this discussion with a number of people. I think risk and resilience is, is going to continue to accelerate to the very top. Um, and, and again, when we think about some of the things underneath that one is, is, you know, what caused me, what caused my supply shocks this year? Well, I was single sourced in a geography that was 90 days away. Okay, how do I fix that? Well, you can't do that overnight, right? So that's going to drift into uh, into 2021. Um, likewise, you know, for those laggers that are just waking up and they're trying to invest, they're thinking about how do I do a better job within my synchronized planning? How do I more effectively sense things? How do I analyze those things? So I think there's going to be some catch up. The folks that we're going to watch are those leaders that had started 18 to 24 months ago. Where are they investing? I guess that, you know, those bellwether uh, companies. And right now, what we see and, and the buzz that we see right now is, again, really focusing in on how to connect customers, uh, you know, effectively, you know, how to rapidly demand and supply match. And then how do I, um, how do I start to think about optimizing my product portfolio to support that? So it's, it's, uh, I don't want to say more of the same, but it's 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 doubling down on what worked for them this year, again next year. And I think it's going to be 2022. I think is when when you're going to see a shift of, of you know, okay, now let's let's get past the pandemic and start thinking about you know moving forward again. That's a wonderful way to look at it. Unfortunately, uh, they're giving me the hook. So uh, <laughs> Peter Bolstorff, I really want to thank you. This was fascinating stuff. The 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 contribution to our supply chain summit, uh, virtual supply chain summit, has been wonderful. Thank you, uh, thank you, Peter. Thank you to all of the the folks, the, the volunteers that uh, work with the Association for Supply Chain Management. Really, really interesting stuff. I appreciate it, and I, I look forward to our paths crossing in the future. Thank you, Peter. Cheers, George. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Be well, everyone. Thank you very much.